Persephone's shore, where he hoped to find, at long last, at least a window into the house of Hades. He heard a gurgling behind him and turned in time to see his guide recorking one of the bottles. Sharp on the fresh air, he could smell the rum. Damn it! Herwood snapped. That's for the ghosts! The Bocor shrugged. Brought too much, he explained. Too much, too many come. The one-armed man didn't answer, but wished once again that he knew enough, instead of just nearly enough, to do this alone. "'Nigh there now,' said the Bocor, tucking the bottle back into the leather bag slung from his shoulder. They resumed their steady pace along the damp earth path, but Herwood sensed a difference now. Attention was being paid to them. The black man sensed it too, and grinned back over his shoulder, exposing gums nearly as white as his teeth. They smell the rum, he said. Are you sure it's not just those poor Indians? The man in front answered without looking back. They still sleep. That's the loa you feel watching us. Though he knew there could be nothing out of the ordinary to see yet, the one-armed man glanced around and it occurred to him for the first time that this really wasn't so incongruous a setting. These palm trees and this sea breeze probably didn't differ very much from what might be found in the Mediterranean, and this Caribbean island might be very like the island where, thousands of years ago, Odysseus performed almost exactly the same procedure they intended to perform tonight. It was only after they reached the clearing at the top of the hill that Herwood realized he'd all along been dreading it. There was nothing overtly sinister about the scene— a cleared patch of flattened dirt with a hut off to one side, and, in the middle of the clearing, four poles holding up a small thatched roof over a wooden box. But Herwood knew that there were two drugged Arawak Indians in the hut, and an oilcloth-lined six-foot trench on the far side of the little shelter. The black man crossed to the sheltered box, the trône, or altar, and very carefully detached a few of the little statues from his belt and set them on it. He bowed, backed away, then straightened and turned to the other man, who had followed him to the center of the clearing. "'You know what's next?' the black man asked. Herwood knew this was a test. "'Sprinkle the rum and flour around the trench,' he said, trying to sound confident. "'No,' said the Bocor. "'Next, before that.' There was definite suspicion in his voice now. "'Oh, I know what you mean.' said Herwood, stalling for time as his mind raced. I thought that went without saying. What on earth did the man mean? Had Odysseus done anything first? No. Nothing that got recorded, anyway. But of course Odysseus had lived back when magic was easy, and relatively uncorrupted. That must be it. A protective procedure must be necessary now with such a conspicuous action to keep at bay any monsters that might be drawn to the agitation. You're referring to the shielding measures. Which consist of what? When strong magic still worked in the Eastern Hemisphere, what guards had been used? Pentagrams and circles. The marks on the ground. The black man nodded, mollified. Yes, the verve. He carefully laid the torch on the ground, and then fumbled in his pouch and came up with a little bag— from which he dug a pinch of grey ash. Fleur of Guinea, we call this, he explained, then crouched and began sprinkling the stuff on the dirt in a complicated geometrical pattern.
The white man allowed himself to relax a little behind his confident pose. What a lot there was to learn from these people. Primitive, they certainly were, but in touch with a living power that was just distorted history in more civilized regions. Here, said the Bokor, unslinging his pouch and tossing it, you can dispose of the flour and rum, and there's candy in there too. The Loa are partial to a bit of a sweet. Herwood took the bag to the shallow trench, his torch-cast shadow stretching ahead of him to the clustered leaves that walled the clearing, and let it thump to the ground. He stooped to get the bottle of rum, uncorked it with his teeth, and then straightened and walked slowly around the trench, splashing the aromatic liquor on the dirt. When he'd completed the circuit, there was still a cupful left in the bottle, and he drank it before pitching the bottle away. There were also sacks of flour and candy balls in the bag, and he sprinkled these two around the trench, uncomfortably aware.